That's great, it starts with an earthquake, birds and snakes and aeroplanes, and Lenny Bruce is not afraid. Welcome to Tintin 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 the world's only Tintin podcast for people who know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world! Repent sinners! The end is nigh! Okay. I'm I'm your host, Janusz, and I feel fine. I'm your host, Sarah, and I don't... And that's Damn for me to deal with. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, you know why I don't feel, feel fine? Because it's too damn hot. Is it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's eight degrees outside. Um, I'm doing a callback to two months ago when it was too damn hot. Um, mm. I thought you were going to say it's too damn cold, but like eight degrees is not like... It's really not. It's like normal and regular. It's my yeah. own fault for not... Listen, I put my podcasting blanket on and I'm fine. It's too damn the regular weather for the season. <laughs> Fucked up, if true. <laughs> Just when we were starting to get getting used to the fucked upery of climate change, the way the weather becomes normal and regular. What's going well, on? I am still like not used to, to to it cooling down. Like I still like never know if I need to wear a sweater or if I like. You know, need to wear a coat when I go outside, so... It's like, like, living in the same country for many years, even a different... Like, you would think you get used to, like, the seasons. Listen, yeah. every single year they surprise me. Like, every single year I'm like, oh, oh shit, it's getting cold now? What? This, this happens? Or like, especially with the light and the dark, like, whenever it's, like, getting dark at, like, four o'clock, I'm like, oh my god, this is just how the life of the world is. It's gonna be like this forever, and then it, like, hits like March and April and I'm like oh my god things are different this is so I, I could never have predicted this was gonna happen yeah the dark is scary of course um I I even like the the thing I never get used to is like the all the holiday seasons coming up like I'm always like I mean it's October but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's ooh the spooky season like uh, in a way listen that... that's your own fault you need to put more of an effort in I guess. <laughs> how do I, how do I get into the spooky vibe? Oh, oh, oh! Okay. To listen to Ghost. Well, let's listen. Let's listen to Ghost. They put out a new single. It's good, I think. Well, it's okay. I need to listen to it more. But also, um, anytime you like look through a window or a telescope or binoculars, you need to stick a small spider <laughs> on the end so it gets magnified into a really, really big spider, and it's the very scary, very oh, scary. scary. That's scary. Yesterday, I I guested on a podcast uh, on the podcast of Adam and OP where we talked about an episode where Sherlock Holmes investigates a dinosaur mystery. And I got very spooked by the dinosaurs. Are you afraid of dinosaurs? No. <laughs> dinosaurs make me feel so comforted. I was a dinosaur child. I was like the concept of dinosaurs being at all spooky is like. I was uh, absolutely unheard of to me. I, I love know. those I'm little fuckers. To, I'm trying to make it a thing. I'm not like actually scared of dinosaurs, but like they have, I think they have the potential for scariness in them. Mm-mm. Just because they're big and have sharp teeth and like could kill yeah. you doesn't mean they're scary. All dinosaurs are friends. Yeah, and even like, you know, Jurassic Park, you can say that it's arguably a horror movie, but like you wouldn't watch it for like spooky month right like no it's not a, it's the same way as i i don't even think like the thing is like an appropriate like horror movie even though it's like it like clearly is one like 
it's just there's just a certain type of like spooky movie it needs to have like witches or vampires yeah or, uh it needs to take place in like in like autumn weather right like yeah yeah because like um yesterday uh me and my flatmate Kristen went to go see the green knight wonderful movie uh, everyone mm. should go see the movie but and it's like it's very much not a horror movie but it, it has like but it's very spooky it's got like like witches and fog and like skeletons and like it's very very so i think it's like it's a really good example of something that's like spooky but not horror and it, excellent stuff yeah I mean, I still haven't seen it, but... Um, it's great. They're skeletons. It's yeah, the, um, I, my, my review of it, if, it is like, if it's like that vine of uh, the guy who goes, when will you learn that your actions have consequences in a very high-pitched voice, <laughs> if that was the movie and that was, that was the theme of the movie, it's very good. Great. I watched The Lost Boys a few days ago. It was oh fun. my fucking God, I love The Lost Boys. And that's like, I think that's an appropriate spooky movie because it's like... There's it. It has like a spooky vibe, but it's not like not gonna like actually scare you. So you're still gonna enjoy it, you know. Mm-mm. Vibes are impeccable. It's it's just so good that like uh th- that that the first half of it is like if you're watching like a Bonnie Tyler music video or if mm. you're like watching a uh watching it like I don't know Dio music video or something like that <laughs> like that type of it it feels like a Dio album cover. <laughs> mm, yeah. And then like and then like towards the second half it just becomes this like exploding vampires Looney Tunes action sequences. Mm-mm. It's uh I've seen some people say that like Corey Feldman's weird performance where he's always talking with like this deep adult man voice. Wait, which one's Corey Feldman? Like which it's boy? It's one of the one of the frog kids. Okay. So I, I've seen some people say that that ruined the movie for them, and I disagree. I think, uh, I think the like insane child actor performances kind of make the movie. Mm. Yeah. Oh. You want to talk about the shooting star? We we'll talk about the shooting star. Uh, this is this is a Tintin comic that came out in the year. 1942. Uh, it's said, well, it was serialized between 19, October 1941 and May 1942. Uh-huh. Famously normal time in Belgium. Normal time in history. Uh, regular. Regular. Do you want to give the give a little rundown of Yeah, so like we we touched we touched on uh, the Nazi occupation of Belgium a little bit last episode. I can't actually remember how much detail we went into, but like, basically, like here's your sort of Hergé uh, facts segment for this week. In that, um, let me scroll through to the Wikipedia page. Ah, German occupation and Le war. So, um, when yeah, so like Germany invading Belgium, blah blah blah. Hergé, like, ran away to France and, like, stayed in Paris for a while. And then there was, like, a call-out by King Leopold III to, like, hello, Belgians, you should come back to Belgium. <laughs> um, and Hergé was like, okay, so Hergé goes back to Belgium. There's just, like, if, if a the king says fucking... So, you know. Hmm? 
If the king says so, you got to. Yeah, if the ki- kings, you know, um, kings can tell you what to do, they should do that, and it's right and good. Leopold, the uh, second famously unproblematic guy. Mm-hmm. Th- apparently, this is the third one. Oh Jesus Christ! There was another one. I don't know anything about this. I, I don't know anything about this one. I think the second one is the one who did all the colonizing. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, he's a king. I'm sure King Leopold III was still fucked up. Mm. But anyway, like, Hershey goes home and there's just, like, a fucking Nazi living in his house. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And he, so he's, like, back in Belgium, has, like, fucking needs cash money, needs, like, to have a house and stuff. But his Le Petit Vingtième has, like, is not allowed to publish stuff. Like, the occupying Germans are like, no, cancelled. No public, yeah. no publishing for you. So Hershey's like, fuck, shit, fuck. I need a job. Um, he gets offered a job uh, as a cartoonist for a magazine called Le Péril, um, which, according to his Wikipedia page, is a Catholic fascist newspaper published by the Rexist Party in Belgium. <laughs> and, like, Rexist Party means, I guess, we fucking love kings and shit. Yeah. And Hergé obviously likes kings, but not quite enough to be like, yes, I will work for you. It says... He perceived Le Peril as an explicitly political publication and thus declined the position, which great stuff from Hergé, um, famously anti-political there. Um, so he eventually does get a job with a magazine called Le Soir, um, which uh, at this point is like Nazi-controlled. Yay. Um, and like, you know, obviously this is a bit sus, but it's also like one of the biggest newspapers it's also in read Belgium. by so many people like it's big big you know it's so big it's it's really is like Hergé, you can really like see Hergé's brain going like how many readers does a newspaper need to or <laughs> does a magazine need to have how I... many readers is working for the nazis worth yeah i mean they're not gonna this is not gonna be like thrown at me for the rest of my life yeah <laughs> Um, like, yeah, how does it say? Although, yeah, Lisboa remained firmly under Nazi control, supporting the German war effort and espousing anti-Semitism. I'm sure this won't be relevant in the in the no. shooting start. Uh, um, what the other thing I think is interesting is that when he like joined Lisboa, he then like established like a kids' version of it called Soir Jeunesse, which I just think is interesting and like shows kind of how much clout that Hershey had at this time, like for doing Tintin. Like they were just like, yeah, you, you here, here's our newspaper. You can have your own little mini newspaper for kids that you publish Tintin in. Yep. I just, I just think it's neat. Um, so yeah, like that's, um, that the crab with golden claws was published in that. Um, there's also a bit about how there was like a paper shortage. So that got shut down because they didn't have enough paper because of, you know, war and stuff. <laughs> hate when that happens which like i think it also like he was only allowed to do like one page at a time for a while so that must have like changed the pace of tintin a lot and like the story um yeah so what else oh yeah then we get to the sort of anti-semitism and i think this is where we should transition to actually talking about the shooting star yeah let's do that um because it i mean it's like it's very present but it's also nothing it's kind of weird it's yeah. It's both like I don't know. Like how do I how do I put it? The the portrayal of the Jewish villain 
is some of the most heinous stuff. Maybe the most heinous, like, portrayal of one single character, like, especially, like, viewed in its time context, right? And at yeah. the same time, it also matters absolutely not at all for the plot. He, this character shows up for, like, two pages in total, maybe. Usually it's just, like, two panels, two or three panels on a page. Yeah, it's like, he sh- he's just kind of... It's like every like few pages, there's like one little panel to yeah. remind you that this is the man behind this stuff that's happening. Yeah, which at the same time, it's like, like <laughs> you can also use that as as maybe it's even worse because it just shows this like conspiracy angle, but it doesn't even seem that much of it. like it's to to make it perfectly clear, right? To those who are who have not read the shooting star recently, it's. A Jewish banker with a big nose, um, and a cigar. Very much, in, very much in line with uh, contemporary stereotypical portrayals of Jewish characters. Weirdly, kind of looks looks like Rasta Populus, who at the same time is like canonically like not Jewish. So, oh really? I thought. It was, oh, oh, I think I, I might have been. Mi- because I could have sworn Rastapopoulos was canonically like established Jewish, but I think no. I was mixing him up with this guy. No, he's emphatically said when people threw criticisms at him that his port that Rastapopoulos looks like a Jewish caricature. He said he's he's, a, he's just a Greek guy. He's he's not Jewish, and I don't mm. see what you're saying to me. Um, but <laughs> but this guy is like he originally was called Blumenstein. Um, it's fine nothing wrong with that mm. yeah and he is like he is like pulling the strings behind the scene it doesn't quite I don't think it's it reads like a global conspiracy in a way that like Cigars of the Pharaoh had like these big conspiracy nets right like it's yeah like it's just a guy who wants to get to the media right because it's, yeah. he can profit off it who is still like the leader of a bank? Like I think that's that's a crucial point to me that it's still like the, undeniably an anti-Semitic trope. Um, at the same time, it matters incredibly little for the plot. Yeah, so. I mean, like the the other thing actually about because because like I will say like I read this whole comic and I finished it and I was like, so where was the anti-Semitism? Because like in this current period, like in twenty twenty one, like I don't really I don't like. I don't. I'm like. I don't really know what anti-Semitic stereotypes are. Yeah. Like, because I'm just really removed. But like again, looking at the pictures of all the propaganda that would have been around the place at the time in like 1941, I'm like, oh, this is exactly that. It would have been immediately recognizable to people at the time. Yeah. Um, but like reading it now, it's just it's like it's just yet another like random Hergé villain. Like they've all got fucking big noses, fucking yeah. You know, um, the other thing I was going to mention was that the the country that they're that he's from in the original publication was America, like, and mm-hmm. they have like American flags, but in the new edition, which I think was revised in like nineteen fifty nine. Um, let me check. Fifty four, apparently. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so that that was originally an American flag. So obviously that's like, 
Yeah. Just more anti-American propaganda, which, I mean, listen, we all know America sucks, but in context, that's a little sus. Oh um, I'm just... They're gone. I just discovered something. And what did you, I have? I, I, I'm wondering, Don, like, what else? Have, what have you discovered? Oh, because, like, we talked about this, like, in the pre-talk, but, like, that he changed the name to Borwinkel uh, and then later discovered that it was also a Jewish name. <laughs> uh, and then, which is, like, yeah, whatever. It's, I would say it's kind of funny, but, like... I think it's kind of funny that he's like, oh, I'm going to change this character's name to not be Jewish. Oh, oh, yeah. no, oh, that's still Jewish. <laughs> and then the final sentence is in 1959, as made a new list of changes. Uh, to be made to the artwork in the shooting style, which included altering Borenka's nose. But the changes were postponed and never made. <laughs> so he actively tried to remove the anti-Semitism, but like the first, <laughs> I'm the first thing he did it. for it I'm failed. I'm trying to remove it. Right, like the first thing he did to remove it failed because it was still a Jewish name. And the second thing he never got around to do. So it is what it is. Um... I don't know how much we, I guess when we get to this character, we can like come back to this, but mm-hmm. as heinous as the, as the like anti-Semitic tropes around this character are, it, it is what it is. Um, it, I don't want to say it's like, I don't want to minimize it, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it also barely shows up in the comic, like, for for the... For, in, like, volume, right? Like, in, in, yeah. in, in, there's, in volume there's, panels is showing up. There's so much going on in this comic. And there's so much else going on. Like, Yeah. <laughs> you would not... Like, unless you're primed for, like, noticing anti-Semitic characters and, uh, you know, this sticking out to you, uh, you would not remember this character. Uh, yeah. I didn't like. I did not from my childhood readings. There's, there's some like very distinct memories I had from this comic, which is mainly like the whole end of the world stuff at the beginning. Yeah. See, uh, my memories were the the stuff at the end with yeah. the mushrooms. And that was the other one that I was gonna mention. Like the yeah. the whole thing when Tintin is on the island alone. Like that really uh, burned into my memory as like one of the. One of the things that happened, like in Tintin, like that, that specific bit. Um, that's sad. Do you want to do a plot? Yeah, I do have a plot summary. It's pretty simple, I think. It's pretty simple. Like, so basically, the, the sh- there's three sort of parts to this. Part one is there's a meteor that's going to crash into Earth and everyone's going to die. It doesn't crash into Earth, but a little bit of it falls to Earth. Uh, part two there, ev- Tintin and some scientists are like, oh my god, we have to go find this meteor. There's some other people going to go find it. It's like a race, fucking Scott Amgeson type race kind of thing. Um, and then part three, they find the meteor and the meteor is really weird. There we go. That's the story. That's it. It is. I do think it is remarkably... How do I put it? Like in construction, in like compared to how bitty... Some of the previous volumes were. It is. It has a remarkable like three act construction. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 different. It is. It's and and there's a lot of good stuff in it. I will say the the middle section is the one that like I remember the the least. Yeah, to a, it, to a point where I like barely 
even remembered Haddock, Haddock being in this book. Yeah, like, I also forgot Haddock was in this. Not in the last third. Because it's like, it's very like me for like quite a while like the yeah. start and ending sections which are the memorable sections are also quite short yeah and they're on a boat for quite a long time and not really much happens apart from Snowy gets a fucking sick new outfit and steals a bunch <laughs> of sausages which is honestly the most important part of the book really um <laughs> it is a very I, I, let's let's just talk about the first section, yeah I'm right? flicking open to the Trinic Star page one yeah, it's night time it's uh immediate like change to the the way the previous like five Tintin books started because the previous five Tintin books started with Tintin and Slow Snowy walking in daytime. This starts with Tintin and Snowy walking <laughs> in nighttime. <laughs> I can't believe this controversial new approach that Hershey is taking. Um there's like a there's like an extended like snowy monologue on this first page which I really love like he's like oh my god it's so hot why look where you're going Tintin you're gonna and then crashes into something um it's it's very charming uh but yeah like yeah, so this is mm-hmm. this is great like Tintin and Snowy like talking past each other because obviously Tintin can't hear what Snowy is saying we have established this uh, this was totally the case from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> dogs it doesn't talk yeah, it's like Tintin holding a monologue at Snowy and Snowy like not getting any of it. Like Tintin is like, oh, there's an additional star in the Great Bear. He's like, Bear? Where? I'm not scared of bears. Of course I'm not. Yeah. Uh, why do you why do you worry that there's a there's one more star in the sky? There's millions. Contented. Be normal. Uh, but this looks I think I, I think this actually might be where Hergé's art style really comes into place uh, or mm-hmm. like comes into its own because like a lot of the previous ones were like either redrawn yeah or uh or like not looking as remarkable um in this one this is not redrawn and there's like some like you can, the, the the hallmarks of the Link Claire are all there. Like the the way that they have like these thick, um, but very like how what's the word? Very like intentionally, uh, or or uh, very like intentionally drawn lines, I guess. Like yeah, where it's like they have these clear shapes but yeah it's, it's, uh, it's like almost the, got like a vector vibe to it yeah yeah but like the way the like wrinkles on like the edges on Tintin's shirt are drawn right like that's yeah it feels very intentional yeah <laughs> very, yeah um yeah nicely nicely contained yeah it's actually remarkable looking at this and see seeing that for for the most part it has not been redrawn yeah and it, it like it looks it looks the same as this looks like what early tinted the rest of the uh, this looks like what the redraws look like yeah but it, this he did this the first time around congratulations <laughs> congratulations you found your art style <laughs> achievement unlocked um but yeah like that happens to tinted sees a big star he like calls the observatory to be like hey there's a big star like uh eventually goes to the observatory um we meet a couple of fun characters. First of all, there's like a weird 
like a guy coming down the stairs like the judgment is upon us um uh-huh. this guy will come back later a lot remember him he'll just kind of be there and then we also get to meet these two professors yeah sort of continuing yeah, like goes continuing the observatory, right yeah um, and there's some um, there are some great types of guys here <laughs> just Really continuing Hergé's obsession with just weird professors. <laughs> he loves he loves cookie scientists. What's what's with oh I I, I saw on the wiki um uh, uh, the Swedish expedition member Eric uh, Björgenskjöld physically re- resembles a, sorry I was taking a, a I was sight reading that one physically resembles a weird per- a real person August Picard. And I just like look at the picture of the look at this man. Like I just check this check this fucking guy out. I don't know oh I don't know like who actually <laughs> That's the most like That's that's just silent movie scientist. Fucking Gene Wilder young Frankenstein looking ass. I guess again was like a uh, a caricature. Like Yeah. You'd love to see it. Um oh yeah, this is this is so the Edgerton's in the observatory. Um they're all like they're all they're busy doing maths, which is like just why they haven't been answering the phone call. I have just oh my god, Janosh, I've just noticed the guy on the top of page four and he's in the corner and one of the scientists is like, No, don't disturb him. He's doing complicated mathematics yeah. and he's <laughs> he's just got all these like division and simple stuff lying around his head I love this yeah <laughs> his head is like he has a really big head big he's, he's head. got the like he has... the brain made of like chair made of my own brain head but it like yeah. but, but real yeah this man is a fucking wojak Extinction is like I need to talk to. I'm looking for a director. I want to see the shooting stars. I guess you can just like walk into an observatory and talk to. Them. It's interesting because like I feel like this keeps happening to Tintin, that he, like first like he 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 needs to go into a place or talk to some guy who normal people like don't really have access to. Like you can't just like walk into the science science place and talk to the head scientist with like no, uh, mm. no like announcement with no like appointment but he like tricks the the guy at the door into like getting inside and then like once he's inside all the like actual scientists like don't care to like share with this random guy that just walked in to yeah care to like share science information with him it is also like why is this tintin's business because he's tintin and it's got to be his business he's just gonna he's physically incapable of staying in his own lane yeah, he sees a quest marker and then he's just gonna pursue that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, so while while this guy is like doing Wojak maths, Tintin goes and like looks through the telescope. Cause, There's cause, a humongous oh, telescope here at the observatory. I mean that's the sizes of telescopes, right? I've seen a telescope I think so. once. Yeah. Somewhere. I mean this this Probably that ty- size this type of stuff is like it's not to hand it to the stems, uh, like the fucking like this 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 uh, telescope stuff and like observatory stuff. Pretty cool. Oh yeah, epic. I I did like a an astronomy 
GCSE, which is like the 16 mm. years old qualification. Yeah. Just like for the crack, just like because it was cool. It is. It was very cool. Like, we just had this one maths teacher who was really, really into stars who like decided to teach us the qualification, like the whole thing, just like after school. Yeah. And like me and my mate were like, oh, hell yeah, this sounds so cool. Let's go. And like we learned about the the ELT, the extremely large telescope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the professor tells Tintin that he can, he he can just look through the telescope if he wants. It's a sight worth seeing. It's a sight worth seeing. It sure, see, fucking is, is, dude. Because he looks into it, and there's just a huge like spider uh, in inside the shooting star that's coming. Yeah, it's like it's like this. It's like if you when you project the Batman symbol up into the sky, but yeah. instead it's the Spider Man symbol. It's very scary. Yeah, and the professor doesn't believe him. Doesn't believe that it's a big, it's a gigantic sky <laughs> spider. Like the coming. whole there's like a whole like sort of like eight panel bit of Tintin being like, it's it's horrible. It's so enormous. And the professor's like, yes, yes, it is horrible. It is enormous. And then Tintin goes, but it's it's got such hairy legs. And the professor's like, wait, what? <laughs> I got a second. <laughs> then he looks into it, and, and, and even the professor is like, how extraordinary his characteristics of metasegmentata. It's an Araneus diadematus, an enormous Araneus diadematus. <laughs> like, I do, it just takes like a whole page before anyone thinks to be like, oh, wait, there's just a spider on the lens of the yeah. telescope. I could think the science guy would would be able to put that together. But. Honestly, if there's one... Th- okay, based on my maths teacher, the one yeah. who was really into science, who knew literally everything about black holes, like, that guy was fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, he would fall for this. <laughs> like, this is a wisdom stat thing. He does not have that. <laughs> yeah, maxed out intelligence, no wisdom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we have a classic Snowy is afraid of spiders bit because he's like, yeah, <laughs> he's like Hammer's little spider. This fucking idiot, so stupid. And then the real spider comes down, and Snowy is like, wow, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and Tintin looks again, and just now it's just a big spy- uh, fireball, and the. Uh, Scientist is like, yes, 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 it's a vast ball of fire and it's heading toward us. He's so excited about this. Like, the he's end so of horny the for world this. world is here. The end of the world. And he feels fine, honestly. Like, <laughs> he does. There's a, okay, there's a part later where, like, he's like, well, unfortunately, the, the asteroid missed Earth and we didn't all die. And he looks so disappointed. Yeah, because it would have been like it's because his calculation was were wrong that the end of the world is coming. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I, mean, I I I talked about this a bunch, but like when the world didn't end in twenty twenty December twenty twenty one, I was like, yeah, of course it didn't end. Yeah, and I never really a... believed it, but I was like just just a tiny little bit. I was also disappointed. Yeah, it's a bit like, disappointing. What if something cool happens? Yeah. Um. So yeah, we find out that the the end of the world is collision is going to happen tomorrow morning, precisely at eight o'clock and twelve minutes in mm. the morning, and thirty seconds precisely. This guy has done like one million calculations to figure this out. Um, and Tintin's just like, oh, no, please, there must be a mistake. And he's like, well, th- fine, well, fucking check my maths, and hands him like all these. 
I love this panel of Tintin holding all of them as being extremely confused. <laughs> He's just like, okay, then yeah. I'll take your word for it. That's fine. Um, then, then there's like a sequence of Tintin walking home, which is genuinely very harrowing. It's really... I, I really spooky. like the atmosphere on these on these few pages. Yeah. About, like Tintin panicking about the end of the world. Like he's... I, I, I don't know how... Ajay does it that it's like so atmospheric because most of them really just have like Tintin in a pretty like I you know it's, it doesn't have like elaborate backgrounds or anything or like a lot of lines like it is very much like Ajay's like okay down style but it's so I don't know it's so effective I think it's the I think it's his shadow like yeah. the shadows are so stark the lighting it, it, like I think it's just the lighting in the shadows where like Tintin's shadow is so black and like the elements around him are so like pale and washed out. Yeah. Yeah, and then all the rats are fleeing from the sewers, so that's like a clear sign that it's the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um and like the like tarmac is melted. Yeah. Like Snowy's like stuck to it and stuff. Poor Snowy. Poor Snowy. Everybody um, is like all these people are like standing around in the streets and just like watching the shooting star. And Tintin is like, if only they knew that it's the end of the world. And guess what? The guy from earlier shows up. The the like prophet guy. Uh, the, the the one like prophet character who's in all like vaguely apocalyptic apocalyptic media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like banging a banging this is this a pan i it's uh it's just a mini gong he's banging this mini gong and he's shouting this judgment is coming he says he's philippulus the prophet and he this he, is the end of the world he calls he calls tintin a son of satan and a yeah. tool of Beezlebub. Go back to satan <laughs> um which i extremely good um yeah there's like a sequence where like tintin goes home and like he like tr- he like touches his windowsill and it's like it like burns him because it's so hot and I'm just like I'm like looking at this and like thinking about it and I'm like why aren't all th- why isn't everyone dead at this point like I feel like this <laughs> would just kill you like what like I don't know did did like did Harjo know did did people know about the dinosaur meteor like in in the 1940s <laughs> like did they know that's what killed the dinosaurs like. Just I just think that if if a meteor passed like at all close to Earth, everyone would die. Like, like, maybe it's like you know it's pre fucking Hiroshima. Like people didn't know about radiation and how it killed you. Worse, I don't. This fucks me up, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just looking at it like, why are they dead? Hello. It is, but it is it is harrowing in a way. It is like. It's like I I'm surprised how well done this is. Like even though they should be dead, but like just this like creeping like paranoia from uh from like the shooting star approaching and like all the changes that you're feeling with like everything heating up is like very effective. Um, he sits down in his like in his like armchair and uh, almost falls asleep but then the prophet is in his house suddenly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's banging his gong and he says prophets come go in houses as they please uh, 
You can just do that. He bonks Tintin in the head. Uh, and shows him shows him a huge printout of the spider. I I think again, like this is like like another type of hair shade dream sequence. It does feel like it, yeah. No no no. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, this is a dream. It is a dream, yeah. But it's but this is the most like this one is like done in a way like much more so than the previous one. Yeah. Like the the only thing that would like you know, aside from the how did this guy get in his house, like, the, the poster of the spider is really the only thing that clues you on yeah. to be like, oh, maybe this isn't real, actually. Yeah. Um, this, yet yeah, again... It's not like... Mm. Yeah, it doesn't feel... I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's... It gives you... Like, it's, it very effectively gives you the feeling of, like, when you have a nightmare where you, like, don't... You know, you... Yeah, it's I, like I, the... I forgot to show up for my exam type nightmare. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've had nightmares where where I was like, I dreamt that I was like getting out of bed and going to the bathroom, right? And then... Yeah, and then there was uh, a giant spider. Yeah, I wasn't a giant spider, but it was like some incredibly horrifying monster when I got back to my room and then I woke up again. Yeah. Yeah, but like, there's just the way... I... I... What's like it's 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 very you know because every dream you have it's like this is normal at the start yeah. and then it starts it just evolves and it's like I just feel like Hershey thinks about dreams a lot. I mean, he definitely does, and you I, know, it is confirmed that he like with when we get to like Tintin in Tibet, like we and, and we mentioned that earlier that he was having like dreams of being in like white snowy. Yeah, shape. yeah, with um. And, I, I was like reading reading up reading ahead Island. for later and like he wrote mm-hmm. Tintin in Tibet because he kept having those dreams for like decades. What the fuck? And he was like going to a going to a therapist to talk about those. It's wild. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Tintin like set an alarm to wake him up before the end of the world. <laughs> I would never do this. I'd be no. like, alright, time to sleep through it. I I'm not sure if I I don't know if I would want to sleep through it or if I would just like stay awake. Uh, and like enjoy the last few hours I have, I guess. I can't try to remember what I. Okay, no, well, I do remember I, what I, I did in 2012, like and I'm I, not going to tell you about it. But <laughs> I, we did go to sleep. Uh huh. Because we were like, you know, if it as the world ends, we want to be asleep for it. I would not do that. I, I mean, if I, if I seriously had good reason to believe that the world is gonna end, right? Like, with the Mayans, it was, like, probably nothing. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think we really... We were like, this yeah. isn't gonna happen, but if it does yeah, happen... Yeah, but, like, if it was... I don't know, the one thing I can... Even though, like, I did sleep, but the thing I can compare to is, like, when the... When, when, when the pandemic first broke, right? For the first few weeks of it, I wasn't really feeling depressed in ways I would like months later when it starts to actually sink in for 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 a short bit it was like it just was like this unreal moment where I was like well I guess I'm not going to go to 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 university for the past for the next few weeks I guess and all my deadlines have been extended by a semester uh, I don't have shit to do just gonna play jackbox a lot uh, mm-hmm. but it's like it was just like this weird event that like change like 
that, that that's gonna change the way I'm gonna interact with the world for much longer than I thought it would. Yeah. But it was just this this like unforeseen event that that only put me and didn't put me in a state of like being panicked at first. Later it did. But at mm-hmm. first it didn't like put me in that state. I was just like, this is so weird and like kind of exhilarating, right? I think that's how I would feel if a gigantic comet was approaching. I would just be like, this is fucking fascinating. We're all going to die, like this entire... It, I don't need to look for a job, I guess. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You're right, this has solved all my problems. Yeah, I, I genuinely would. Yeah. You know, just like talking about apocalyptic events, and um, I'm like thinking just... Talking about how spot on the sort of mood and vibes of this yeah. are, I'm like, yeah, I'm wondering if it's kind of, you know, calamitous upheaval in, like, Kershaw's life that might be kind of influencing this, who can say? Yeah, there might have been uh, an apocalyptic vibe going around in 1941. Yeah, I can't think why. <laughs> <laughs> I, when Tintin goes on time, that is. I, okay, I spent, like, I was gonna make more notes for this but i spent like half an hour trying to see if we could still call the speaking clock and i i think you can from landlines but i don't think you can from mobiles damn like i tried calling it and like nothing happened it went to my voicemail very sad um yeah just because he wants to know exactly when it's uh 8 12 and 30 seconds um but then what happens is just like a big earthquake uh, I really love this scene of like on the street and like there's like broken masonry everywhere and like there's just a guy in his pajamas like halfway through yeah. shaving. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a great panel. There's like there's like fucking lamp posts falling. Mm. Uh, it's you know like it doesn't look great, but Tintin is like I mean that's it's obvious the joke of this panel that Tintin is like hooray it's only an earthquake and everyone is looking at him like what. Everyone's like, what the fuck? There's just been a fucking earthquake. <laughs> it's an earthquake <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, for the rest of the page, like, he rushes to the observatory, like, he, like, hugs the janitor, like, leaps yeah. into his arms, um, and, like, goes to talk to the scientists who are, like, having a massive argument because the world didn't end. That's just... I love these two guys. They're so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you'd think the comic is over here. Uh, because the world didn't end, but the the big headed the the one with the so they one of them has like a big like working out in the library forehead, uh-huh. uh and the other one has like a profile that is like the man in the moon. Oh my god! Yeah, like his head just goes up and like he keeps going up. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like grown above the the elevation line of his hair. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, like so the, the <laughs> so the like big-headed one is like professor. I found something else, even though the world didn't end. But instead, we have discovered a new metal. Mm, I limp biscuit. <laughs> what? <laughs> like like new metal. Oh my god! Fuck! Oh shit! Oh fuck! Oh shit! <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> so yeah, like they have a spectrogram, which like this brought me back to being at school and learning that spectra- about spectrograms. I, I did like the Leo point of the comic. I was like, oh my God, I remember this. 
from I science. Do, I do remember this, but also at the same time, I had so much trouble with spectrograms. I never fully understood them and gave me a, gave me a headache in exams. Um, yeah, I'm that I'm that panel of Tintin, like looking at it, going, "It's all Greek to me." Yeah, mood. Um, yeah, he he's he, you know I'm sure he's got a high waist up, but not very much uh, lore stats. Um, Tintin is a humanities guy. Yeah, yeah. Like so, yeah. The professors like explain spectrograms to him in like a panel with a lot of text, which yeah. I did not read. Um, yeah, and he just explains how they work. Yeah, and then I mean, basically, the conclusion they come to over the next like three pages is that they've got to go find the meteorite. You gotta find the meteorite. Which I'm, I'm like, rock. I'm, I'm just like rolling my eyes at it. I'm like, okay, like. Like oh, uh, a new piece of land has land put, is on Earth. We must go colonize this. Like, of course, you know, of course, like that. The, they're talking about like, oh, this is for science. There's a new metal. We've got to go like examine and investigate this. But I'm just like, it's, it feels like an incredibly like colonial mentality driven plot. Which I mean, it it's Hergé. Like Tintin is very colonial, and yep, here it is again. Yeah. This is, through sheer coincidence, the book we're reading for Who Watches the Watch is Jingo, which also starts with a new piece of land being discovered and Ankh-Morpork and Clatch both, like, wanting to claim it, so. Yeah, it's like, I mean, that's literally, like, if I can mention Scott and Amjusen. Yeah. Was that his name? I don't know. What was his name? This is going to bother me. Yeah. I mean, in this case... With, like, the professors, it's, like, less about, like, colonizing, like, a new land. I mean, it is colo- it is colonizing, of course. Oh, but, it's, but it's not mm-hmm. about, like, living there, which is, like, claiming this new metal to be named after him, to be named Yeah, like... <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about Limbiscuit again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's, like... So, like, the purpose of it, like, so the two parties, it's, like, the science, people want to go find it for science so that they can do science, and then, like, the American uh, slash Sanhuikuan party want to make money off of it. So it's, like, mm. I guess we have the, yeah, we have these two clashing ideologies of, like, why to do colonialism. <laughs> um, but, again, like, it's just a meteor, like, it's a little, tiny little rock yeah. in the scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, first he's like, oh no, it's all gone, it fell into the ocean. My precious meteorite. My precious fossilite. And oh, also, yeah, goes he goes outside. They, they, sees... he... Sorry, I just want to mention oh, that, yeah. like, he finds this new metal and immediately named it after himself. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, Nothing <laughs> colonial about that. No. Um, but yeah, sorry, carry on. Science. Science is objective. There's no ideology in science. No ideology? In science, we know we all know this. Uh, yes. Yeah, so he's like, "Oh no, it's in the ocean. It sunk." But then Tintin goes outside and sees that these bricks are floating. Yeah, I was a bit confused Wait, by this they're because not, they're not I don't even like... floating, right? They're just sticking out of the water. Yeah, but like, no, no, it's okay. No, the bricks, they are floating, right? The bricks, okay, the bricks are floating, and he steps on them. Because he thinks they're not floating, and that's why he falls in. Yeah, I think is what's going on here. Yeah, and then he throws a he throws a 
brick on the ground and said, Look, Snowy, it's sticking out of the water, just like the meteorite is going to be. The water is the Arctic Ocean, the brick is the meteorite. I'm gonna tell it to this professor, and this professor has never considered this. Yeah, I... There's a, there's a lot of leaps here, because I... I I I see nothing in this that like would prove that the meteorite is gonna float. Yeah. Like it, it's 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 a completely regular water, completely regular brick. But I guess the plot needs to advance somehow. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I mean, it's a little weird. It's a bit of a. I think the way Tintin is like making this, making this conclusion and then convincing the professor immediately. It's like it's a little bit contrived, but. I eh. don't mind because you, you do need to get to the rest of the plot. Yeah. I, yeah, so yeah, we have we, uh, the panel just says like sometime later and there's like there's a team of expeditionaries there's a boat. Hey, guess who's captioning the boat? He's back. He's a completely different character than he was in the last book. It says Captain Haddock, president of the SSS. Society of Sober Sailors. Um, it's Captain Haddock. Yeah. So yeah, he's got a hat now, which I don't think he had before, and he's got no. a pipe. He got he's got the hat and the pipe now. N- now he's yeah he he is the Haddock that we that we uh, know and love. I okay. I saw on the somewhere in the Wikipedia page for the shooting star. Yes. Somewhere it says he's British. It says Captain Haddock's British. I think we established that like last week, right? Okay, like, but it it said that he was named after a sad oh, yeah. English fish, but that didn't mean he was British. <laughs> what? Yeah, who knows? It's I, yeah, I don't think this is. I mean, it's how do I put it? Like, there's a lot of characters, like a lot of like the secondary characters that show up in these volumes have clear nationalities, but like Tintin being. Belgian, Haddock being British, and like whatever the Thompsons are, like it's just never really. <laughs> I mean, th- with the Thompsons, it's like they they're called like Dupont originals, so that's like a that would be a more typical Belgian name. But like in the translation, they're now Thompsons, so they're now you know it's this it's this thing with translations in a bit translations a bit. Yeah. Uh, that, that, like... that they also have English names, so it's like the the belgian is english but then in this in that way like haddock being british also wouldn't stick out i could see it like if you're reading it in the original french um you'd be like oh, oh, oh a doc <laughs> yeah c'est un nom anglais <laughs> c'est un anglais a doc yeah cuz like i think there was there might have been a line in maybe broken ear or something whenever tintin was talking about getting back to london yeah, and I'm. I was like, wait, is did the translation make Tintin like British? Like, is Who Tintin knows? British in the British versions? Like, you know, it certainly like feels like that because everyone's fucking speaking English. Yeah, you know, and like you know, I don't think where Tintin is is ever mentioned in the like. It's never. He's never like. I guess no. I guess Brussels I think is mentioned in the early ones. In the early ones, he's he's mentioned as being the Belgian reporter. I think yeah. from this point on, it's, like, never going to be mentioned again. Like, especially, like, the later books, there's just no... 
there's no Belgium because because we live in the world where there's Sildavia and Borduria, right? Like it's yeah, real country, real countries even like kind of stick out. Uh, yeah, exist. You know, it is weird to have like the Blue Lotus exist in the same universe as like as like all the Sildavia Borduria comics. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's because um China and Japan are made up countries as well. You know. Yeah. Um, you can't convince me they're real. <laughs> There's a couple of other like characters on this boat for the exposition, such as Eric Björgenschild, Senor Portifirio Bolero y Calamares from Salamanca, Herr Dr. Otto Schulze uh, from, Calamares. from Munich, Professor Paul Cantonot from, from Paris, uh, and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the Portuguese because that's a language I don't speak. Your Pedro João dos Santos. None of these are going to matter. Like, it's basically just, like, the Professor Fossil, like, the the guy who discovered the rock. Tin, 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 oh, my God, I just realized his name is Fossil. Fuck! Yeah, I just... I also, just by, like, pronouncing his name, uh, I, like, make the connection. Stupid. Um... I just noticed, uh, like, I was looking through the wiki trying to find the places that said Haddock was British. Yeah. And it reads, I think, and I think this only refers to the original publication. I think this is different in the new publication. Yeah. Because it says all of the scientists featured were from Axis. And I, I I, have fucking Gundam brain because I read that and I was like, oh, like the asteroid from Gundam? Kid <laughs> <laughs> this. Um, and then it, it's, uh, but then later it's like, Oh, but you know, this isn't anti-ally because Cat Haddock and Chester are British. I was like, okay, whatever. I Kids, guess. Cool. Don't watch anime. I no, no, do not watch anime. <laughs> <sighs> it's going to ruin your understanding of the real world. <laughs> Me trying to read about World War Two. Oh, like from Gundam. <laughs> from Gundam. It's so weird that they literally they, that that Hitler is mentioned by name in Gundam. They just they just they're just like, hey, you're doing what Hitler did. Anyway, oh, this isn't Wauku Robot. Um, <laughs> what do they call it? They call him like oh the the Middle History Dictator. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, boat time. This boat is the boat time. section of the book. What else? Boat we get on the boat. Haddock is here. Say about this section. Haddock is here. He is now. He now never acts like pathetic in a way as he did in the last book all the time. Like he's, it's weird. Like actually, like kind of scaled down his. Like he's not. It starts with him being like. It starts with this gag where he's being, the uh, president of the sober sailors. Uh, but like we still see that his cupboard is full of whiskey and yeah. the, like sober sailor guy is like congratulating him but uh but he actually has like crates of whiskey this happens a little later in the book we just like to talk about yeah. like right like it's kind of now the joke is that he pretends to be sober but he's still uh he's still drinking but also never really like there's a few bits where he gets drunk and angry but it's never gonna like he's never gonna have the oh i need my drink yeah, he he's it's not Haddy Needy Drinky anymore. Yeah. He's never, like he's like never surrounded like, by whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's never either like crying into his bottle like he did uh, 
in his introduction in the last one or um or acting irrational in ways that endanger everyone i just because i think he is like sober for most of this book yeah like apart from like you know there's a bit like at the end where like tintin like gives him a drink so that he can manipulate him yeah that's that Um, was a weird bit problematic tintin moments um but like I think for most of this, he is just like a sober, regular guy who yeah, but he has it. He has it in control in a way where it's like little incongruous where his character left off in the last book. But yeah, also like I don't really mind this taking a backseat for the for the actual plot. You know. Yeah, it's like he's gone from like dysfunctional alcoholic to functional alcoholic. Yeah. Um, aka like everyone was in art school but didn't know it at the time. <laughs> Um, but in hindsight, it's like, hang on a second, everyone yeah. was a fucking alcoholic. Um, where it's like, you know, he's got bottles, but isn't, like, acting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's also just a very cap, just like a capable captain in this one. Yeah, he's, like, really good at doing both. Like, there's yeah. a bit later on where, like, it's stormy and Tintin is, like, fucking dying. And he's like, oh, it's just a little breeze. This is normal. Yeah. Where he's like, everyone else is like constantly seasick and stuff, but Haddock is like the one who's got it together. And yeah. like, yeah, he like saves the gang by like having a friend at a port and like making a plan. Um, yeah. It's all. I love this. I love this like turtleneck with the like little. Uh, what's that called? The sign anchor? that's on. Yeah, the anchor sign at the. At the what was he wearing in the last book? Was he not wearing this? I don't... I don't know. I don't but, think he looked like... In this one, he looks, like, very, like, cozy. Yeah, hang on. I'm gonna go check. I mean, I guess the last book took place in, like, warm regions. Oh, yeah, he was wearing the same thing. It's just the... Maybe it's just, like, the hat and the pipe just, like, really tying this outfit together. Yeah, sorry, I was away from my mic. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's still wearing the, he's wearing the same blue sweater, but yeah, just looks like shit because he doesn't have a hat and a pipe. Yeah. Oh, and then there's also that one part where he gets a boater. <laughs> Classic. Classic. Look. Um. Yeah. Um. The the one thing I want to talk about in these like early pages of the boat is that Snowy peas on a stick of dynamite. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's that's all I want to say. Excellent job. Good work, Snowy. <laughs> Great work. Yeah, there's some stuff where like I don't know what's going on here. Why is why is there dynamite here? I the weird the weird to... um oh, it's fucking judgment day guy is here causing shenanigans and he does this for like four five five pages. Yeah, there's a whole bit about the prophet guy just trying to endanger everyone. He's saying that this is this is satanic to uh to go on this mission, I guess. I guess that is that his argument. I don't know. He's just, he's just funny insane at this point. Yeah. He's like, you know, there's like, I don't know, the, there's a whole bit where he's like at the top of the mast and he like refuses to come down. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh Jesus. Can. And then like Tintin pretends to be God. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tintin gets a megaphone and says, hello, I am your guardian angel from from heaven. And then he just comes down. <laughs> This is 
I don't know, we talked about problematic portrayals of mental illness and it ends with like these two hospital workers showing up saying, oh, he's a patient from our mental hospital. We've been looking for him. Yeah. It's whatever. They're like, they're literally the men of the white coats come to take him away. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's fine. Now uh, now that the mental the mentally ill man is taken away, now it's all good and Yeah. Fine. So the book, we, okay, we, we've stopped being, uh, 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 fuck, what's the word? Okay, no, we've st- stopped the problematic portrayals of, like, mental illness. Now it's time for some anti-Semitism yeah. to start out. Uh, because this is where, like, they're about to set sail. There's a funny bit with Haddock loading, like, seven mm. crates of whiskey onto the yeah. boat. Um, one panel uh thompson's cameo and also is that, is that spirou it's not spirou it's um these two other characters from rj's other comic that he wrote like oh. before or parallel to tintin uh, what the fuck are they is called it um, it says on the back uh, yeah it's, sorry uh, zeke and jocko no it's quick and flapkey okay uh which he wrote from 13, 1939 to 40 uh, in... Yeah. Oh, no. He, he wrote from, from 1930. Yeah, from 1930 to 40 in the Pativan TM. So it's like... In the early days of Tintin, he also wrote these oh. characters. At this point, like, it ended in 1941, so with this comic, so... Mm. Yeah. yeah, the other one that you were thinking of, I think... Oh, no, this was also from 36, of Joe Zetti and Yoko... Um, I have never read these other Azure comics, so I don't know. I, I just recognize these two guys because I have seen I have seen uh-huh. them as Azure's other comic that uh, is like less beloved. <laughs> but they're here. Good for them. It's all the Thompsons doing this comic is saying there's quite a crowd to say to see the Aurora sale. Yeah, actually this is probably the least Thompsons we've seen in a yeah. book so far. Um it's it's because they're um anti-colonialist and they didn't want to have anything to do with <laughs> thank you um <laughs> so yeah they're like setting sail and as they're setting sail they find that like uh, another ship from san rico not not america not or america. anything <laughs> like that um is also going to go find the meteorite it makes a lot more sense with america i would say like it really does when i, I was read like this i was like why why is this san rico like this like fake brazil sounding country why is why is that the superpower that is like the other ship like it it, i was like mostly confused because i was like wouldn't that be in the southern hemisphere wouldn't that take them like a lot longer to like get to where yeah no no it's it's a little weird like i do think it makes more sense with america but yeah yeah and actually like i to be, to be honest, I think if it was, if it said America, I would have picked up on, like, the stereotype. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'm like, so we go, I'm like, where's that? And then there's, like, the panel of this, you know, the guy with the big nose and the cigar in the suit. And, like, me, who has, like, no brain cells, just looks at it and is like, okay, cool, that's a guy, whatever. It's a normal guy. That's fine. No uh, problems yeah. with this. As, as soon as, like, Haddock learns about this, uh, that there's another ship, uh, there's, like, these other two guys. That are like ha ha ha, I am the evil stereotype. <laughs> and they're talking about how uh, they're this talking about how this normal guy is, uh, is a banker and his bank is financing this uh, the exposition of this 
uh, expedition of this other ship called the Perry. Perry, Perry, I don't know. I've been calling it the Perry, like kind of I like cider Perry. Perry as the fruit, yeah. Yeah. It's we talked about this. We've talked it's about fine. it, like. Oh, it's not fine, but you know. Um. There's like, okay. The 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 best thing about the. the this is where we get the start of the adventures of like Snowy versus the ships, cook, yeah. which is so good. It's like Classic like stuff. you know they they go on the thing, the boat. It's boat times. They're talking about a bunch of stuff. There's like a, a nice panel where they're they're at the head of the ship, and Tintin is like, "Breathe deeply, fill your lungs with the sea air," and then they get splashed by water. And yeah, excellent to see. Good bit. But then they're like they're having dinner, um, and like Captain Haddock is like, "Hey." Steward, the the menu says sausages and mash. Where are the sausages? Um, and then there's just like the best panel in the the yeah. book so far. In the history of uh, of comics, I would say. In the history of comics, iconic. It's just this like the the most like pl- uh, content like image of like Snowy being like it just has like this benevolent smile asleep uh with like the rest of a sausage and you can like clearly see that like snowy's belly is full he's so fat he's so right he's full of sausages he's sleeping because he's full of sausages you love to see it i wish this were me i god i wish that were me i can't usually when i eat all the sausages i'm having I'm having so much trouble falling asleep because, like, I can feel it in my tummy. Uh, Oh my god, really? Yeah. Because if I eat, like, slightly too much, I immediately just, like, fall asleep. No. I... I mean, I'm a bad sleeper, just in general, so I think... Mm. Feeling any bodily condition is gonna make (laughs) it harder to sleep. Feeling away. Uh, the next, the next, the next page is great too. Where it's yeah, like, where we yeah, we get like we get four... another like Hergé small panels montage. Yeah. This is a really good one. It's like these four consecutive panels of the of the uh, ship. Like I can't think of words. The ship uh, like r- being rolling? like rocked by the waves. Mm. Uh, and it's the kind of this this repetitive thing where it's like. Now it's like this, now it's like this, now it's like this, now it's like this. It's like, Mm-mm. shows like the ship like going basically up and down on both sides. And then we show, we see all the scientists in like individual small little panels being like extremely dizzy and seasick. And it's like, it's um different scientists, but like the in the panels they get progressively greener and greener. Yeah. Which is really good. Um, and like we see them having to leave and go to bed, and then just cut back to Haddock and Tintin, who are just sitting there having a wonderful uh, date together. This is a true like dudes rock moment. This is dudes rock. They're just like, oh, they'll find their sea legs in a day or two, and they're just having fun. Yeah. Uh, then actually reminds us about the antisemitism again. <laughs> Don't forget. With like um, another ins- you, you've been enjoying this page. Look at this guy again. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like I really didn't clock this the first time. <laughs> I guess I mean, like you know because I'm I'm busy looking at the the yeah. well the snowy near death experience panels because um, this the next page is where like Tintin can't sleep, you know, also bad at sleeping much like Anush. 
um, goes for like a walk on the boat at night. It's like there's waves, there's stormy, snowy, nearly gets swept overboard. Very scary. Um, but then like meets and talks to Captain Haddock, who's just like chilling on the deck, driving the boat with the wheel. Like, oh, nice little breeze, isn't it? And Tin Tin is like, isn't this a gale? It's great. It's yeah, I like I like the way this like the all the water is drawn. Yeah, it's like really, really good, really dynamic panels. Yeah, and like like the way it's drawn, where it comes onto the deck and like snow is in the water, you can feel the suction of it, like pulling him out it to sea. Yeah, it's really good. I also just like the the pipe being in Haddock's mouth like all the time, like not to. He he isn't even lighting it at any point. I don't think he lights his pipe at any point no, in this comic. It never. There's like never any smoke coming out of it. <laughs> it's really just like an accessory because he's a sailor. Yeah, yeah. In this panel, he like know, it's like, like a in the middle of this like gale, uh, with like water splashing everywhere. He still has this pipe in his mouth. Like you couldn't light it, right? Like in this yeah stormy watery conditions. It's very. He good. just he just needs it to like chew on. Yeah, for comfort. This is my um, emotional support pipe. He's shouting swears that are like much more. I would say much less. Uh, much less slurs that Haddock is saying. Yeah, yeah, because they nearly get run over by another boat, which obviously is like a plot. Yeah. By the um the 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 Mister Bullwinkle. Yeah. Yeah, he, do- um, he doesn't say any problematic words here. He just says pirates, sea lice, filibusters, roadhogs. Freshwater swabs is an interesting one. I think that came up in the last one too. Mm, mm, That's a mm. repeat swear. Yeah, they miss getting run over. Um, and then like a few days later, they are up in the north and it's everything's frozen. Like there's a funny panel of Tintin slipping on the deck. And then uh, we get the second best panel. Uh-huh. in this book or rather the even better pal in this book because Tintin you know leaves the deck and he says come on come along Snowy we need our coats on and oh my god look at him look so at good <laughs> yeah so Tintin is wearing like this this really puffy uh it's coat, a fur coat, fur coat I think right yeah it looks very comfortable and then Snowy is like can, can you describe this Sarah you're the fashion expert <laughs> Um, so it's just like your little regular doggy coat um, but then also he's got little booties like little booties tied around his feet and also he's got a little black hat with holes cut in it so his ears can poke out a little black hat and the little black hat is tied with a little pink ribbon and he's so little and cute and he's walking along the deck saying I'm going to cause a sensation which sure fuck you are dude look you. Look at you! And that's what Snowy looks like. Yep, it's great. It's a great panel. It's honestly giving me life. It's like, it's. So it's I'm, I'm like, you know, this makes up for all the anti semitism <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly balanced. Okay. Uh, oh, they what? stop at Iceland to get yeah. fuel. And they meet this gamer. <laughs> gamer? I I tried to make an organic hardspell joke, but it didn't work. Oh, I see. They're going to TanyaCon yeah. in Reykjavik. 
No, they they need um, they need the ship refueled. Um, yeah, and, and there's like a little panel of uh, Mr. Bullwinkle being like, "Don't make sure they don't get any oil in Iceland." Yeah, um, I don't only own all the banks, but also all the oil. It's normal. Yeah, um, and there's you know the scene had it goes in to like get fuel and then he's like yeah i just need fuel for the aurora and then the guy is like oh shit suddenly i just remembered we have no fuel yeah um Haddock. oh Haddock doesn't strike any slurs at this man weird um but then they're like wandering around being like what are we gonna do there's like no fuel and i i love this bit because Haddock. yeah um it's a classic Haddock meets a man um he like yeah, like, so he, yeah, he's telling Titan about, like, oh, we've got no fuel, and then, like, accidentally slaps a guy in the face. Um, yeah. And I think, notably, I think this guy also had a pipe in his mouth because Haddock slaps it out of his mouth. Yeah. And then they start getting into an argument. Yeah, they're both saying the, these very colourful uh, swears at each other, like, th- this, this other guy says, uh, calls him seismic semaphore. Yeah, yeah, and like they're about to start arguing when they're like, "Oh, um, oh. Fiji, oh. Fiji, 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 when you and your mate like make up an extended like an overcomplicated like handshake routine in school yeah that's exactly what they're doing it says like how old is that tradition it's older than i thought it was it's gotta be like it's gotta be like a like an and it makes sense that it's like a centuries old tradition i guess yeah yeah i mean they're also Um, doing a bit of the a bit of the you know, in Star Wars, when like Han Solo meets Lando, and at first they're like, "You bastard! You yeah, you, you cheater! You I don't know." They call each other like all sorts of space criminal words, space slurs, space slurs, <laughs> and then they hug, and it's like, "Oh, my best friend!" Yeah, yeah, they're just they're just bros. They're guys being dudes. It's, they're dudes rocking. It's. It's you know it's it's this kind of thing that shows up a lot, uh, and it it always works. I think when it's yeah, like, yeah when, when 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 you act like your old bro is your enemy for like ten seconds, and then it's like oh this is just because this is how men communicate. <laughs> <laughs> this is how men communicate. <laughs> um, they sure are men, and they sure are communicating. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, um, there's a bit where so Chester, this man, who again, okay, makes sense. This guy's English because he is ginger. And he's called Chester, um, and he like reveals that like actually it's all a plot of the Baldwinkle Bank of San Rico, and Haddock says some more slurs, um, which includes stuff like coelacanths, monopolizers, gang of thieves, fun stuff. I guess Gang of Thieves is like a normal insult, actually. Yeah. Never mind. Um, <laughs> it's just a literal description. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like a bit where they sort of come up with this plan to use Chester's ship and like pass the fuel through Chester's ship into the Aurora. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do that. Great trick. 
great trick. I say goodbye to Haddock's friend. Uh, Snowy knocks over pot of spaghetti. Oh, yes. This is incident two of the Snowy versus the cook, uh, yeah. where he steals the spaghetti. Um, yeah, I don't know, they kind of end up in the north. There's a, this, this is where we get the first appearance of the plane. Mm-hmm. Like, the Aurora has a plane on it that, like, yeets out. Honestly, kind of like the Gundams in Gundam get yeeted <laughs> out of the white base. But you this know, is a plane in the Aurora. This, this, this is like really that. just like Gundam. It's just like Gundam. It's got planes, World War Two. <laughs> yeah. Tomino. Is that his name? Tomino? Yeah. Tomino Rettentin. Tom- I can't believe Tomino Rettentin. You started saying Tomino and I thought you were going to say Thompson and now I'm thinking Tomino and Tomino. <laughs> Tomino and Tomino. But they're spelled slightly different ways. <laughs> um, but yeah, they sent a plane out to go like look for the meteor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, Professor says a lot of things here. Yeah, so this is like they like find the vapor column, so like they know where it is. But then there's also a bit where the professor, Professor Fossil, professor Fossil. Like, I can't believe it. I'm still rolling my eyes at that pun. Professor Fossil is like talking to them on the radio, and then like tries to run away and gets caught by his earphones. And I really, I felt that as a podcaster. Yeah. Yeah. Several of my co-hosts at this point have like these in-ear like Bluetooth headphones and they're they're gonna wear it even if they take like a toilet break and they're just gonna take them with them. It's very upsetting what? to me. I know both both George and Robin do this. What like you're you're pissing and podcasting at the same time? No, they're not podcasting, they just hear everything we say while they're on the while they're on the toilet. Fucked up. Okay, there's a lot that I think is fucked up about the way who watches the watch records, and that's jumping to the top of my list. Second of my list is that you use video. What the fuck? This is an audio medium for a reason. You, you can't just see each other and hear each other. Well, so. Anyway. Anyway. I don't. I don't have anything to defend. <laughs> Uh, my actions my are indefensible. Podcasting, <laughs> you know, you can just do. We can just do whatever. It's... I mean, okay. To be fair, whenever I used to DM like an online D and D group, and I just do it on my phone, like I would just kind of pee while DMing and like <laughs> not tell people. Like I would just be on the toilet, being like, "Ah, roll to attack." Yeah. And then one time I forgot to mute when I flushed, and then they were like, "Sarah, did did you just flush the toilet?" And I was like. Yeah, I was peeing. <laughs> yeah. I also think the Bluetooth headphone things is fucked up, though. Like, even on, on ASOBEP, too, like, Emmanuel also has those. Anyway, it's like, I guess everyone does it now who has Bluetooth headphones and they think it's normal. I don't think it's normal. I mean, I, I don't think... think Bluetooth is real. I don't. If I had a, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm looking deep within myself. I think if I had Bluetooth headphones, I would do this yeah. as well. Yeah, you just must not get Bluetooth headphones. Yeah, I, like, I mean, I do really need new headphones. The headphones I currently have are literally held together with duct tape. Great. Um, And every time I wear them, my ears get sticky because the glue comes off them. It's a really bad... Anyway... I think um, if I had Bluetooth headphones, I would lose them immediately. Yeah. 
Like I, I just have my headphones just like lying around somewhere, but because they're like this big, like you know, they have these long like headphone cables. It's like you can you can just find them. Like they take up enough place. But if you just had these like tiny little nubs, you know. Yeah, yeah. You just follow the wire like a game of spaghetti. Yeah. So, um, fucking, what happens in Tintin? They find the asteroid. I don't know. They do some stunts to like land it. Uh, they gotta race the Perry. Like, if they go fast, they can get there before yeah. the Perry does. There's this whole thing about getting an SOS call. Yeah, and, and then like, like, well, I guess, I guess we have to give up our mission because we have to save this other ship first. Um, but then they then Tintin figures it out that this ship doesn't actually exist. Yeah, he like googles the ship, but it doesn't, yeah. the ship doesn't real. Most importantly, <laughs> there's this a ship real dot com. <laughs> this is not a real ship. <laughs> um, famous Twitter account. Most importantly, yeah. there's a bit where Snowy tries to go into the kitchen, but finally gets shot out of the kitchen. Um, defeated, very tragic. Yep. Um. Great payoff to the to the whole. Yeah, like whenever Haddock finds out the ship is fake, he says a bunch more slurs. Uh, is what the fuck is a mujik? I just want to get to the thing where Tintin is on the asteroid. Yeah, the like asteroid. I'm okay. Before we get that, I just oh, this the last is pretty thing. Good. Okay, this, the the Haddock thing, I, uh, I, I do quite like. I just found what you meant because it's like. They figure out it's the wrong SOS, a fake SOS, and then Haddock says, okay, so send out the following message, and it's just like the slurs that he lists, uh, which is pretty funny. <laughs> I just realized that he's telling the person to send, like, yeah. to, like, um, a fucking uh, Morse code style send all of these slurs. This is almost like almost like a Trump sentence structure where he says, Polar Research Ship Aurora to bogus John Kingsley Company. Janosch. What if Haddock said Kofefe? <laughs> it would be pretty good. Haddock Kofefe? Uh, yeah, he called, I mean, gangster's not really a thing, but then he calls them woodlice, which is pretty good. Woodlice is pretty good. Um, I do like ectoplasm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good because they, Tintin is like, okay, Captain, he's like pulling him by his arm. And he's, he's doing like, the, like okay, grab me. Add rhizopods and ectoplasms. Um, it's good. Before they get to the island, there's like a little bit where Tintin like is really, really sleepy. Mm-hmm. So and he tries to go to sleep. Um, he wants to go to sleep and again like can't go to sleep because he gets woken woken up and like has to go to the asteroid. And that's all making me wonder if the entire end sequence is just oh, him being really sleep deprived. That's a good. I have I, not I don't, considered that. I don't think it's true. But like I don't want way, it to be that. But you could argue that. I mean, I think there's pretty clear evidence that at the end the mushroom is real that grows out of the rock. Mushroom does real. Uh, but the other stuff, I don't know. Mm. It mm. might. It might be. I mean, I think Snowy also gets scared though. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Snowy being scared, yeah. But um, I, I just want to, to say about the sleeping mm. thing, right? This, this, like, finally going to sleep, and his like, oh, I haven't slept in so long, uh, because all night I've been figuring out if this ship is real. So he like lies down to sleep and gets woken up immediately and still can't sleep, uh, and he has to do that. Like that's such a nightmare situation to me, right? Like, 
being incredibly tired and then not being allowed to go back to sleep. Mm. Mm. If I, okay, if I'm gonna be real, like, whenever you came to my house, yeah. for the first two days, you had, like, I thought, I thought that you just naturally had, like, I wouldn't write home style crazy eyes. <laughs> okay. Like, you just looked like that for, like, two days, and then you got a night's sleep. Yeah. And you just, you looked so serene <laughs> and peaceful. And I was like, oh, they just needed to sleep. Yeah, because I couldn't sleep for the night before. Like, we only slept, like, four hours before, uh, because we had to wake up very early for the ferry. And then, uh, and then I couldn't sleep because uh, someone was snoring in my uh, in my room mm-hmm. so yeah I was I was feeling pretty miserable there I didn't know it was like visible on my face no you had absolutely unhinged vibes I hate to say it <laughs> great um yeah Tintin gets a goes plane asteroid so he, he like he gets on the plane like he leaves Snowy behind with uh, and like Snowy gets put on a leash for the first time ever in Tintin, yeah. I think. Um, and like it's, I don't know if it's interesting that like Snowy like doesn't talk when Tintin isn't there. Like Snowy barks. Interesting. Because he's upset that Tintin isn't yeah, away. Yeah, just a wow, 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 and then a question mark. Like he. This is the most. Tint- yeah, this is the most dog-like, like purely dog-like Snowy acts. Like this is. Yeah. That's an interesting touch. I haven't considered that, but that's yeah. That seems. I mean, it's 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 pretty good. Like, I like Haddock has him on a leash. Haddock is like, "Come on, Snowy, Tintin will be long." And I love the panel where like Snowy's just willing, and everyone's just offering him bones and meats, and he doesn't. He's not going to take any of them. He just wants Tintin to come yeah. back. Um, yeah, Tintin does come back, but he just wants the flag to plant on the meteorite, which is whack. But whatever. Yeah, it's fucking. I like the fact that the end of this book, like, after all of this stuff about, like, oh, we want it for science, oh, we want it for money, like, yeah. it shouldn't, this flag should not matter at all. Like, it doesn't, like, yeah. They if they want the, if they want the rock for science, they can just go to the meteorite, take some of the, and use that for science. Like, they don't need, there's no reason that they need to plant their flag on this meteorite. Other than a colonial mentality, yeah, um, and just the fact that the whole end sequence of this book is who can plant the flag first is really <laughs> fucked up. Like, <laughs> well, there you have it. Um, but yeah, when, whenever yeah. Tintin comes back to get the flag, um, Snowy has leapt onto his plane wing. This is a fucked up action scene where they're like on the plane, like flying on the plane, and Snowy is on the wing of the plane. Just like clinging on, just holding on, uh, and so on. Like fucking endanger Tintin as much as you like. Put him in front of as many firing squads. But like whenever, as soon as like Snowy is any danger, yeah. I'm like no. <laughs> I, I think everyone knows that. Like, the, it always feels very pointed. Mm. When, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then Tintin does this insane stunt where he like walks out to the like gets out of the flying plane and walks onto the plane wing to get snowy inside like i mean i would yeah for snowy it is horrifying though like it is the most this is the most like 
insane thing that Tintin does in this book. In this in this book, yes, I was gonna say like I mean, Tintin's probably done wilder stuff. Oh, of course, yeah. But in this book, um, yeah, with his being toned yeah. down in his like, uh, in his like wild action stuff. So yeah, Tintin has become normal. <laughs> Tintin become normal. Um, but yeah, there's like a a sequence like they get Snowy, Snowy's safe, and they see the meteorite. There's like a, a sort of cut between like Haddock and all the scientists are like listening to Tintin on the radio, like, I'm nearly there. Um and like cheering on this like race that they can hear. Yeah. Um, there's a bit where the Peary, the Perry is here, they've got the So Rico flag, not the American flag. Don't worry about it. Um It's a shitty flag, I'm gonna say it. It's a shit flag. Like, I'll, you know, if it had a little hole in the middle, it could be a shuriken and it could be cool, but... <laughs> it's the most, like, whatever, I'm going to come up with a fake flag, give me ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Tintin, like, parachutes down onto the island and, like, I guess fucking... Like, they arrive on the meteorite at the same time, yeah. but, like, Tintin gets his flag up first, so... And it's, I guess the other guys just leave. Colonial then? context aside, it's like a pretty epic uh, action sequence. It's yeah, it did six stunts. Like as as a you know have a race to plant the flag sequence, it's up there as like one of the best. Like <laughs> being like it's just the tension of oh I'm closer I'm I'm much closer to it than him I'm already rowing there and his he still needs to land the plane what he's jumping out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's like wild. And this kid just fucking jumped out of a plane yeah. in order to do colonialism? What <laughs> won't he do? So, yeah, it's, it's just some like struggling with him like planting the flag. And then in last, the last second he plants it before them. Everyone is rejoicing. Uh, like, and now the fucked up stuff starts happening. Yeah, even more fucked up than colonialism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is... This is really where the book picks up in like the last five pages. Um, this, is, this is like one of the most memorable of things in in Tintin. I think I, I mean we said this at the beginning, but it bears repeating that this yeah. is insane. Listeners, this is what you've all been waiting. This is why you tuned into this episode. This yeah. is what you came to hear us talk about. Um, sorry, we talked about anti-Semitism for so long. There was just a lot of it. And we um, have hyped the anti-Semitism up a lot in previous episodes, so. Yeah, honestly, it was less than it was so much less than I was thinking yeah, it was going to be. Anyway, do. like the the weird like Arabic, Indian, caricature, whatever it was, is kind of both. Like you just lumped them all together. Caricature in the last book was like more shocking because I was not prepared for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, first, it's like first it discovers that the water is boiling next to this rock. Yeah, which like specifically because Snowy jumps in the water and then Snowy was like, ah! and Tintin is like, oh no, you poor Snowy, you must have hit your little paw against yeah. a rock. And then Tintin gets in the water and starts yelling because the water's fucking boiling. Um, which yeah, first of all, what the fuck, wild. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's a bit where the Aurora can't pick them up immediately. They have to wait like a day on the island. Like she's got engine trouble, whatever. So the the pilot is like, here, I'll leave you all my supplies so that you can stay on this island and guard the island. I mean, 
I don't know what Tintin's going to do if the people come back, but sure. Um, maybe he's just very confident in his tiger wrestling skills. Yeah. Um, but yeah, time to spend at night on this rock that just came down from space. God, it really is just like Gundam. <laughs> um, yeah, so now he has this like one, one day's ration, right? God, I'm just I'm looking at these panels, and because like because Tintin is the only person, I know. In the following sequence, it really changes the like vibe and layout. I know, of all like the that's why it's. I think that's why it's so memorable to me, just like visually, to just see Tintin so much in every single panel. Yeah, yeah. Like um, it's, I, it's it's it kind of rules. Like it's it is. Yeah. As far as like memorable comic sequences go, it's uh, it's pretty well done. Yeah, so Tintin Tintin sits down to eat his little lunch. He's got he's got an apple. He's got some biscuits. Uh, I think they're the British kind of biscuits. Yeah. Sorry, Americans. Um, there's also there's <laughs> importantly L for there's, the Americans after they failed to plant their cringe flag on this island. <laughs> they couldn't plant the flag, and Tintin brought European biscuits. That's that was the real uh, uh, colonial victory. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, important to note, there is a spider in Tintin's lunch, and the spider jumps out and runs away along onto the meteorite. Um, there is also then a maggot in his apple, Ooh, which yucky. actually I don't think that comes up later. I can't remember. No, it does. But yeah, like he's got his apple, he throws the apple away, um, and just is like, then I'm going to use my parachute as a bed, and has he goes to sleep. Well done, Tintin. Finally. Well done. No bugs that you left loose here. Um, this is, but you're right, because, I mean, does he? Wait, does he manage to sleep here? Yeah. He, well, yes, I think he does, because, like... Yeah, because it's, like, it dark, gets dark outside, right? And then the next plan panel, it's light again. Like, there, there is also, again, the potential, because he does go to sleep, and Hershey did that thing yeah. earlier, that this could be a dream tinted hat. Yeah, it is... It is paced in a very similar, or it is like done but in I a very don't, similar way. I don't think it's an extended dream sequence. I don't though. think I think it's, it's an extended dream I sequence. I think magic like, is real. I think, I, think that, I think this is just space magic. I think yeah. Tintin has become a new type. <laughs> Tintin become a new type. <laughs> like again, like later on, everything is like so physical. Yeah. Although, I don't know, because he does like get knocked out and then woken up by Snowy. Okay, we'll figure it out. So he gets woken up by an explosion, right? Um, he's like he he did he literally says uh, did I really hear an explosion I suppose I was dreaming, but nope. Then he hears another, another explosion. One. Um, he's like, well, well, we're probably on a small volcano island. He seems fine with this actually. Yeah. Um, but then like goes and it does it a bit of an explore. Snowy like finds a thing and he's like, whoa, check this out. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> And they find a little... They find a, a Mario egg. Yeah. This... So this would be... I mean, it is still very cool. Um, it would be... It would be so fucked up if this wasn't also the cover of the book, right? Like... Yeah. Because the cover of the book is Tintin looking at this humongous mushroom. Uh, it's the exact panel, just like made big. It's yeah, really not yeah. even like a... Not even like a new cover, but uh, and it is the most iconic image of this comic. But still, like 
damn, imagine if this had come as a surprise. If Yeah, if you weren't expecting this, because so far it had been, well, I don't know, some of the stuff at the start was a bit weird, but it yeah. was like, it was like, had a, actually a very detailed scientific explanation according to the scientists. Yeah. But this is just, this is just like straight up magic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's where like yeah, like they Snowy finds a Mario egg, and then the Mario yeah. egg gets bigger, turns into a mushroom, gets bigger, it gets bigger until it's like like ten foot tall, and then it explodes. And, yeah, and then like fifty more of them start exploding, yeah, and just growing and exploding growing and, and exploding, and just like in Mario. Yeah. And Probably yeah. like well, now this has calmed down. I'm sure this was all the weird shit that's going to happen here. And then suddenly a tree starts growing. Yeah, and just like in Narnia, the tree grows in like a minute or whatever. Yeah. Um, giant tree, and then oh, giant, giant, giant. Um, fuck, what's this thing? Dragonfly. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Figured it out. There's a weird giant dragonfly. Snowy is barking at it. So I'm not sure about the science of this one. Because mm. it's like, he's like, oh, this tree grew out of the apple seeds that I uh, threw away, the apple core that I threw away. Mm-hmm. And, this, and this, like, dragonfly must have been the worm or, or the maggot in the apple that, uh, yeah. that, that, that I threw. I don't think maggots grow into dragonflies. Oh, well, I mean, it could be a butterfly or a different, but like, I don't know, it makes it, it's sort of like island mix thing grow. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. But this is, this is a nitpick. Like, I think, I think in the context of the comic, it's the cool, like, it's, it's like, oh, mutant animal that grew out of, uh, out of. Are you uh, criticizing Hergé for having (laughs) introduced an inconsistent magic system into his book? I'm not. Um, (laughs) And then he's like, let's go. This. This apple is just growing and growing. Sure hope no gigantic <laughs> apples will fall out of it. Okay, but like also at this point, Tintin remembers the spider. <laughs> he remembers the spider. This is really good. I love the I, I, I love the payoff of the whole spider thing. Like, because this was a concept that was introduced in the first section of the book. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so like he's going around being like, "Where's the giant spider?" Because it's like I feel like this is this is a book having having established that Tintin is very afraid of giant spiders. Yeah. Extremely valid fear to have. They're very big, very scary. It's yeah, it's um, not an uncommon fear. And like as he's going around looking for him, then uh, the apples start falling off the tree. Yeah, they're very large and very big. But I think at this point is when the island starts listing. Yeah, yeah. More, yeah. The i the island starts like there, there's like an earthquake on the island, uh, and then huge waves are coming. And Tintin is like, "Oh, the, this island is tilting over now." But more apple it's, trees are it's still growing. Just up. like in Titanic. It's just like in Titanic. <laughs> Remember in Titanic where like huge apple trees were growing out of the ship? Yeah, we learned all about it at the Titanic Museum. <laughs> Remember yeah. when we went to the Titanic Museum and they had a whole section about the giant spider? It was scary. That was so scary. Um, honestly, very you know incongruous with uh, playing. My heart will go on in the next room. Yeah. But, but you yeah. know they didn't consider the the tragedy and scariness of having 
the giant spider. It was fucked up in that exhibit. That, like outside of the exhibit, there was like a sign that says, uh, experience the greatest tragedy ever told, like in this sensationalized way, when real people perished to gigantic spiders on the Titanic. <laughs> real people got killed by real giant spiders on the Titanic. Um, so yeah, the island is like tilting over, like more trees are growing. Titan is like, oh fuck, uh, the island is sinking, but then he like sees the seaplane. And he he's very happy about this. And as he's like dancing around and being happy, we there's like a, the the spider is in the back of the panel. We yeah. see it. This spider, the spider is so cute. It is. I'm not. I would not be scared the of the spider. The spider is a friend. Just a little guy. Just a big little guy. Just a large guy. A medium sized little man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Like in. <laughs> In even if it's in like D and D terminology, even if it's called gigantic spider, it would still count as a medium-sized creature. It's about the same size as Snowy. Yeah, I think Snowy could beat the spider in a fight. Of course, Snowy won't because Snowy's scared of Snowy's spiders. Scared but of small spiders already. Yeah, Tintin is yeah. singing just as if he were uh, he were either shot by a madness arrow or drunk. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, the only drug he needs is life. Yeah. <laughs> and then as he's, like, dancing, it's like, this is, this is like, I, I rarely see, the, it's like, I don't think we have ever seen this from, from Ashley or from this comic, where it's, like, really just, like, these, these, like, consecutive panels that all of them have, like, Tintin in it. So it's just, like, three panels of him dancing, and then he sees the spider. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he sees the spider, and he does uh, Edward Munch the scream pose. Yeah, so pretty funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, he starts like throwing rocks at the spider, but you know he he's not very good at throwing rocks at the spider, so it just like chases him around the island for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then the. Um, and then the the apple tree throws a huge apple on the spider, and uh, it just crashes it. The evil is defeated. Upsetting. I know. I'm so sad about this yeah. little guy. <laughs> but then Tintin is like, "Thank God for the apple tree!" And then he gets Bonk. hit by a huge <laughs> apple that is like larger than his head, straight straight on the top of his head, which. Uh, he can only survive <laughs> because his head is made of jelly, as we have established. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we, yeah, we know, we know, he'll be fine. God, but there he, was do, a previous does... bit that we didn't even talk about when the prophet was throwing dynamites, and it was also the ship only didn't blow up because it hit Tintin's head and then bounced off into the water. Oh my god, Tintin's head really hero of this story. Yeah. Um, yeah, he does like get knocked down, knocked down, knocked out, knocked unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but he gets up again. Well, I mean, oh my god, ain't nothing gonna get him down. Yeah, like so. So there's a bit where he's unconscious and the island is fucking sinking. Um, the plane is like trying to land and get him, but like it's sinking. Snowy is like trying to get Tintin to wake up. Like he yells. Uh, eventually, <laughs> eventually, uh, Snowy succeeds in waking Tintin up by biting him in the ass. Extremely funny. Uh, yeah. Well done, Snowy. 
And then the plane finally picks him up. Uh, there's another bit where, like, you know, th- there's, there's like, some real Titanic action with, like, them slipping and uh, Snowy is, like, falling down. Tintin catches him and then he's... Yeah, Tintin... Um, Tintin has to um, hack uh, some handcuffs off of Snowy's paws with yeah. the axe. Um, it's a very tense moment, but he eventually does it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they like they get to the top of the meteorite just as the plane is going to land and get them. Um, like they come over in a little boat. It's very actually like this bit. It's very like realistic like Tintin doesn't just like jump onto yeah. the plane like the plane has to land then send out a boat then they've got to get onto the boat Tintin yeah, has to get he, snowy onto the boat but he learned, can get yeah learned about dramatic tension and has figured out that maybe it's more engaging to read if your protagonist can't just like do insane shit immediately yeah yeah um because it's like the the problem and solution of um because Snowy, or sorry, Tintin is going to just like throw Snowy in onto the boat, and like he's just like here, catch, catch my dog, and then he's like, wait a second, he might fall into the sea, and then uses the flag, the colonialism flag, to like make a little sling hammock and like poke him, reach him over onto the boat, yeah. and it's like, it's good shit, it's good shit. He does put the flag up afterwards again, though. <laughs> Yeah, and then he remembers when they're already like in the safety boat. He's like, "Oh fuck, the thing I came here for." Yeah, yeah. So he swims and... back and just takes one rock off of this island so that uh, the professor can have the mineral he discovered. He craves that mineral. He's craving that mineral. But yeah, and then we we he 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 does that, and then we cut. To the boat where everyone's like waiting for him and like here comes the plane here comes the special boy here comes the special boy he gets off the plane and is like I've brought it for you professor I have the lump of phospholite mm-hmm. yeah and as he does it it's like this this phospholite is like wrapped up in this flag and the flag starts growing and growing and it's like this movement is going on there and then the then his mushroom comes out of the rock <laughs> then he throws it to the throws it onto the boat and it explodes into everyone's face and not just then it's just a rock again so yeah this very much suggests that everything that happened was real i think so i think i want to believe cuz i want to believe yeah. Every, like everyone saw this it did a big explosion it knocked everyone out there were multiple people involved in yep. the incident and that's the end of the comic there's one last view of the of this banker guy that he hears that people have figured out that someone was sabotaging the expedition and uh, we know who he is and he will be brought to justice great shit most importantly there's a last what there's one final joke there's a final stinger um with uh captain haddock where he's like they, they finally get back to land. He's like, yes, land ho, it's about time to. And Tintin is like, oh, what? Were, were we running out of fuel? And he was like, worse, we're out of whiskey. The end. And that's the end of the comment. That's the shooting star. That's the shooting star. It was less, you know, we were really dreading this one. It I was think. fine. Like, he's done it worse. Would be, 
if it weren't for the banker character, it would be like I would call this like genuinely one of the best ones. Everything like, else is really good. Yeah, it's like I would give it like a four out of five, yeah. like independently of like because I don't know I don't know how to recognize anti-Semitic stereotypes because I don't you don't really see very much of them these days. Like yeah. every every anti-Semitic stereotype that I can think of is from like old media. Yeah. It's from like fucking yeah, Dickens and shit. Uh, weirdly, it's not a like it's gonna sound weird, but it's not the anti-Semitic stereotype that survived, right? Like Yeah. There's there's the other one from like Yud Zeus, like that's that's the, the that that propaganda movie, uh that like basically has like a direct line into the Harry Potter uh banker goblins, right? Like those Right, yeah. Those look exactly the same as like the, that type of uh of anti-Semitic stereotype. And this one I don't see that often even though like seeing the propaganda posters it's very clearly one that was there so that doesn't yeah. make it less bad it's just yeah. less obvious to today's reader especially if i mean i think the bank stuff really shows it like if you put that and the german sounding last name yeah and together if, you will like, still be like if it had yet. still been america it would have been a lot more yeah. obvious as well yeah i think like I want to give this, I still want to give this, like, four out of five, but, like, with a huge asterisk on... Yeah. I, like, I would say, like, I in 2021 context, like, removed from, like, knowing that he was yeah. writing this under, like, a Nazi-administered newspaper, and, like, knowing that, like, at the time, this stereotype would have been much more recognisable to people than it is to us. Like, removed from that, like, four out of five, but, like, in context, it's, like, a fucking zero out of five. <laughs> And the other bits are still good, like it, and and a lot of them don't relate to that plotline. That's why it sucks yeah. so much that those are like in there. Like we get the little snowy booties. Yeah, we get the fucking unhinged magic system. Yeah, we get the spiders and the funny scientists. We get the funny Wojak scientists. <laughs> yeah, on on our rankings, so best one still Blue Lotus, second best. The Black Island, third best, King Otokar Scepter. Do we agree I, on that? I can't. I, I kind of, I like, again, <sighs> like, bits of removing it from the King context. Otokar. I like it better than King Otokar's. Yeah. So, like, are, if these are our personal rankings, like, I would put it above King Otokar's, but with, like, 17 asterisks. Yeah. Yeah, I agree on that. It's it's the third best with an asterisk. Oh. And then the asterisk puts it at and the bottom. A, on a separate list, or according to their problematicness, it's uh, it's bad. <laughs> like on yeah. that scale, it's bad. But on on the everything else scale, on the enjoyment we got out of every, out of everything else, out of the out of the plotting, out of the like apocalyptic vibes in the first bit, and then mm, this like, yeah, almost like it. It almost feels like a. Uh, like a like Jules Verne type of like early science fiction, right? Oh yeah, like totally. I get like with the observatory and shit. Like I get so many. And again, like looking at the um, Wikipedia page talking about like yeah. Jules Verne, and it's so much that vibes. Um, like honestly, I just like I'm just thinking about the plot and the vibes and the fact that the plot, like it, it sort of had one. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
like a neat little three act structure would almost even put that above the Black Island, but like I can't, I can't no, quite, I can't. I can't quite commit to that. Like, um, I just like again, like you know, even though Hege never got around to like changing your man's nose, um, the other edits that he made did did remove some of the anti-Semitism. Yeah, I. Um, I- I just, I, I still like believe the narrative that he is just a guy who was very not careful about what things of his surroundings just like seeped into his work, even though he like didn't believe that all Jews are evil or like didn't believe that, you know, he, he, he tried to remain unpolitical uh, and it just still seeped into his work in like these ugly ways. Yeah. Um, Where's the quote where he's like, just because I put like a Jewish evil stereotype yeah. character doesn't mean I was anti-Semitic. Yeah, he says. Um, so this is a quote from later where he reflects on it. All I actually did was show a vi- villainous financier with a Semitic appearance and a Jewish name. But does that mean there was anti-Semitic on my part? It seems to me that in my entire panoply of bad guys, there are all sorts. I have shown a lot of villains of various origins without any particular treatment of this or that race. We've always told Jewish stories, Marseillaise stories, Scottish stories. But who could have predicted that the Jewish stories would end as we know now that they did? Yeah, like... I don't know. Yeah, like, it, it sort of... You know, obviously they didn't know about the Holocaust. Yeah. Um at the time and like you know I can very much see that this was like the the anti-Semitic stereotype was already like anti-Semitically so like a villainous stereotype in a lot of media yeah and that Hergé I could just be like Hergé would be like oh well, I'm gonna draw on this like just without thinking about yeah. it and like again like you know he's done racism before a lot <laughs> but, but and like at the same time like it only took like one Chinese friend for him to not do racism yeah so it's like he's just so it just really it's just so like easily influenced yeah. by whatever yeah, environment he he's in he just does that he's so wrapped up in his own shit yeah um that I think, yeah, we'll we'll explore his ideologies more when it comes up again. But I think that's it on that. I don't think we yeah. can, you know, just just be aware that it's in it's in this comic. If you're like reading along, or if you're curious about this after listening to it, it's still like. And I don't think you should if you're like gonna read all the Tintins. I don't think you should skip this one. Like it's a good one. It's just it's yeah. Just, also. Do just get broken here, though. Um, Do I have anything next? In two weeks. Oh, let's fucking go. We are going to have another guest on. Um, who is it? Yeah. You'll find out. Uh, but I, I will say one subtle You'll find out the secret. Is that all, both of us have already podcasted with them. So. And it's true. There's like a Venn diagram of like yeah. one person. Who's <laughs> If you know, you know. If you know, you know. We give you all the clues, uh, Mr. Listener. And we will be talking about Secret of the Unicorn, which is 
many considered the best one. So yeah, <laughs> I actually I have I have very little memory of it. Like I have not read it in a long time. Yeah, it's what the movie is based on. So I have more of a clear memory of it because I have seen the movie more mm-hmm, recently mm-hmm. than I read the comics. I cannot wait to find out the secret of this unicorn. <laughs> and um, until then, give us a. I'll take. You know, give us the... a review on iTunes. Oh, uh, yeah, do that. Check out our other shows there in the show description. And as as we always say, you take the high road. And I'll take the low. Just think about it. Just think about it.